Welcome to episode 18 of the Walk and Talk podcast. I'm Greg Johnson, and today is Friday, May 15th, 2020. Today is a special episode of the podcast because I'm on my bicycle, so I guess we could call it the Bike and Talk podcast today. But the message is going to be focused on the topic of computer security. And I'm not going to go into areas of computer privacy, but that's for another episode. But today, just talking about how to keep your computer secure and how to prevent yourself from getting into trouble with malware and things like that. So the first probably most important thing that comes to mind if you're thinking about computer security is to have a good antivirus and security suite of software. And there are many out there to choose from. Um, But the one that I like best is called Malwarebytes. And this is not a paid endorsement or anything like that. There have been so many occasions over the years where people would call me in to help them with their infected computer and I would find out that they had Semantic or McAfee or whatever other product out there that seemed to be a good solution and their computer would be all infected. So I would end up using Malwarebytes to do the cleanup of often, you know, hundreds of malicious files that their paid subscription antivirus software didn't pick up on. And so it's that experience over the years that has led me to really rely on Malwarebytes as a cleanup tool and as a subscription service. Oddly, you know, for some computer users, year after year, they don't get viruses. They're fairly focused on word processing and looking up some facts on Wikipedia or something and going to websites like YouTube, where it's an area of the internet where you're unlikely to run into trouble, where you're unlikely to pick up a virus. And as long as their spam filter is working, if they have, you know, Microsoft Outlook as their email service provider or Google or something, if they have pretty good spam filtering and they're practicing basic safety measures as far as not opening emails from people that they don't know and they're not clicking on things and downloading them and installing them, not knowing what they are, people will go year after year without having any viruses and can probably safely rely on the built-in free Windows 10 antivirus software. And yet there are other people who tend to, year after year, indeed, maybe every few months, get some new infection on their computer. And those are people, you know, to no fault of their own, but those are people who are going to be frequently on social media and clicking links and going to websites that are not reputable necessarily, And so they're more apt to run into problems. And even reputable websites like the New York Times, for example, I was on the New York Times site the other day and and some malware popped up and it was being 
launched from the New York Times website through some malicious ads. And so the sort of carrier of that was Google AdSense. A lot of website owners are tempted to use advertising as a way to bring in some extra revenue, and that can sometimes cause their site to be unwittingly the launch pad for a lot of malware for their site visitors. Um, but anyway, regardless of what software you use, there are certainly going to be stories that you'll hear of how one performs better than another. And that may be true, actually, for certain strains of viruses that are out there. Uh, one may be protecting you better than another at a certain moment in time. The more thorough these security suites are, the more they kind of take over your computer, which can be a good thing if they prevent problems, but it can be a bad thing if they slow down your computer or cause other issues, like lots of little notifications popping up saying, have you purchased our, later, our latest computer optimization software yet, question mark, you know. Um, and there are some software programs for security that end up creating more problems than solutions. Um, but find something that you appreciate and can interact with well, and that's going to be the one that's going to work well for you generally. And you can always use a tool like Malwarebytes once a week or once a month to scan your computer and make sure there's not something that snuck through your current paid antivirus program. There's some free antivirus programs out there, but anymore, those have gotten to be filled with confusing and misleading pop-ups that try to sell you other stuff. Um, so that's a little bit about antivirus software. But, you know, when you hear about institutional, enterprise, corporate, network computer security, one of the main topics that comes up is not, you know, all of the threats that are trying to hack into their system, but it's the internal user errors, the employees who are not using best practices. That's the greatest threat. It's not some outside party necessarily. And so the same is true for you that there may be some viruses and things uh, and hackers trying to get into your computer, uh, you and a million other people. But the real problem, the greatest problem and the greatest point of possible securing your computer is for you to practice the best uh, practices possible. And so what I mean by that is being careful about the content that you're opening, the websites you're clicking on, etc., there's something else that's really quite simple that you can do that is done in businesses. It's done in larger institutions. And that is to have a maintenance or administrative account on your computer that has elevated rights or that has, you know, higher rights than the normal accounts on your computer. So your normal daily use computer user account would be a standard user. And if anything pops up or tries to launch and install without your 
desire to have it do so, um, it will be blocked automatically by your computer because your user account doesn't have the right to do that task. So that's a way of creating kind of a firewall between your user account and the entire computer. And you can do that by going into settings and you would first inside of settings you'd go to accounts and you'd add an account that you would give a name and you'd have some sort of uh, you know password for that account and when the account is first created it's going to be a standard account because that's the default but you can click on the account name and then change the account type from standard to administrative and then log out of your user account and log into this new account that you've created you'll probably get some message that says please wait while we set up the account um, there's just a few kind of user files and things that get generated when you have a new account that gets set up and so once you're logged into this new administrative account you can set it up as the account that you use for installing software, for doing updates on the computer, for scanning, to remove viruses, and that kind of thing. And the reason that that's important to have is that you can be reassured that you're not using that account for daily use. You're not on Facebook and clicking on links in social media that might infect the computer you're only in there installing software or performing these updates. And certainly after your computer is set up initially, you shouldn't need to be installing much software. Mainly it would be going in there to perform any larger Windows updates or uh, scanning for viruses. And once you are assured that you have that account set up and you've made sure to write that password down three times and have it stored in different places that are secure but easy to find again. Um, you know, the key is don't forget that password and don't lose it. Uh, but then you have this administrative account you can use and you can go back into settings and back into accounts and find your user account and click on account type and change that to a standard user account and then log out of this administrative account that you created, log back into your own user account, and that's it. In episode 12 of the podcast, I talk about some email efficiency tools that you can use, and I also discuss in more depth the use of multiple email accounts as a way to have a more secure computer. And in summary, uh, you can certainly go to that episode and get into more detail, but in summary, the idea is that you would have separate user accounts for personal and junk mail, and that's not just some amazing revelation. You probably already do that already. But then consider having a few extra accounts. I mean, they're free, and with an email client, they're easy to check You know, five different email accounts from one software program. So why not have several? And the benefit to that is that you could have one for financial, you could have one that's for uh, maybe health, another one for business, and another one for kind of newsletters and things. 
The reason for that is that you want to make sure that as you're going through your emails, you're not inadvertently clicking on something that looks legitimate and isn't. And so it's a way to pre-sort your emails into categories because these different email accounts can serve that purpose. You know that if an email comes into your health email account and it has to do with some shipment from Amazon or a notice from your bank or something, um, you'll be a little bit more on guard against such things. And so it just isolates a little better. It, it makes you more efficient as you're going through the emails. So that's a technique you can use to make the computer a bit more secure. In addition to securing your computer, you'll also want to make sure that all of your accounts are secure. And having dual authentication can be helpful. If you're somebody who wants to really keep your accounts secure and you know that you always are going to have your cell phone with you as a way to receive a text message or phone call, you can use the two-factor authentication for different services where that's offered. And that simply means that when you're logging into the account, in addition to having your password, you'll need to provide some additional piece of information like a code that is sent by text to your phone or a code that's generated by an authentication code generator that's an app on your phone. And then you can log in. You probably notice that your web browser can save passwords to websites and in that way it becomes kind of like a simple password management tool. And that is true. And if you've dug around before, you know that you can get into the area of your computer in the browser in the settings where those passwords are saved. So you could use that feature as a rudimentary password management tool. But it does not keep track of all of the other things that you're required to keep track of when you're setting up an account or you need to log back in if something's gone wrong. So there might be security questions that you'll need. You might want to have a bit of a history of what were the previous passwords you used for the account. And so having a good password management system can really be helpful. And that ensures that people are a little more organized and perhaps creating passwords that are a little more complicated if they know they have it written down. You don't want to use the same password for multiple sites. So this idea of keeping your account secure is another way to keep your computer secure, or at least your online and tech life organized and less likely to get disrupted by some bad software or hacker. In this episode, I've been focusing on offering some simple solutions that don't require much time and are either free or very inexpensive. So another example would be to update your Windows computer frequently. And you do that by going to Settings, which is found by going to the Start menu, the Windows icon menu in the lower left corner of your screen. 
And when you click on that, you'll see a little gear. You can go to the gear for your settings. And then at the very bottom, you'll see um, security and updates and backups are all through the same option there. And if you want, you can just use the search box at the top and search for updates. You may see when you get to the updates screen, you may see a message that says your computer is all up to date. But you shouldn't always trust that message. There could be updates that it just wasn't aware of the last time it checked. So go ahead and click on check for updates. In addition to updates that might be found when you check for updates, there can also be a notification on the updates page that says something like, you know, this Windows update is available, uh, restart and install. So it's something you have to initiate manually that won't happen automatically. So always be looking for something like that. And you can check for updates maybe once a week or at least once a month to make sure the computer is up to date and protecting you from any security vulnerabilities that might be present in older versions of Windows that have not been updated. Something you'll find was missing from this podcast is any discussion about Apple computers. The focus was mainly on Windows computers because that's what's predominantly used. And I find even though I have customers who use Apple computers, I don't hear from them very much. They buy a computer, three or four or five years goes by, they buy another computer, but they don't have all the problems with the hardware and the usage and the malware that the Windows computer users have. So that's why I sort of left that out. Apple computers are a bit more secure than Windows computers. There aren't as many viruses that are written for Apple computers. That's not to say they don't ever get infected. They do sometimes, and usually that's because of a user error uh, somebody clicks on an email that was a phishing scheme or goes to a malicious website or downloads and installs something that they really shouldn't. That's the kind of problem that people run into on Apple computers. But in general, it's not an issue for Apple computer users. And then also, I didn't go into details about protecting the security of your mobile devices, smartphones, tablets, iPhones, iPads, etc., and that also is because, at least within the Apple ecosystem, the only way a software program is going to get into your iOS device, your iPhone and your iPad, is through the App Store. And there aren't really, you know, things that you can click on on the web that are suddenly going to install something on your iOS device. That said, there is a little-known and rarely seen malicious activity that can happen, which is the installation of a profile on your iOS device that will essentially create an email account from which the controller of that email account and profile can do a lot of bad stuff and send out junk mail and fill up your inbox with junk mail. And then because of the way this is installed, it's not obvious how to get rid of it. If you go to accounts, you'll see the account listed, but you won't see the option to remove it if you go in there. So you have to go into settings and general and look up profiles and, and find the profile there and then remove it that way. But other than that, 
um, there aren't really any special steps you can go to to protect your iOS devices. That's not needed. There's a little bit more of a problem with Android smartphones and tablets because Android is a more open and accessible operating system. It's kind of like Windows that way um, that make it more customizable, make it you know easier to uh, manipulate, hopefully to make the use of it easier and better. But um, it also means that malicious software can sometimes get in there and cause problems. So there are antivirus programs you can get for your Android mobile devices. Uh, and you may want to go ahead and make use of those. But anyway, that's just a short overview of all things other than Windows computers, which was the focus of the podcast. Many of the podcasts I create are really designed to be for beginning users or beginners at whatever the topic is. I find that, you know, that by the time somebody's creating a podcast or by the time somebody's launched a website and it's well established and they've written hundreds of articles or whatever, they're beyond the beginner. And, you know, they don't even really want to write to or create videos for or create podcasts for beginners, their mind probably would have trouble even doing that. You know, if you're somebody who's an advanced bicyclist, you may not even remember what it was like not to be an advanced bicyclist. So when you write an article or create some content about bicycling, it's going to really be kind of a challenge to address the the needs and issues and the mindset of a beginner. Uh, computers, golf, you know, whatever it is. So that's just, I think, a real area that's lacking are materials for beginners in any field, photography, computing, bicycling, hiking, whatever. And I And that's why I like creating those materials. I find that people who are just getting started and they're having trouble finding some information that fits their needs and experience level, they're super appreciative of finding something that does that. Now, the risk of providing somewhat overly simplistic materials is that you leave yourself open for the trolls and the critics who will say, oh, well, this podcast was useless. He just talked about having antivirus software and an extra user account and maybe some email accounts and et cetera. You know, they're, they're people that want to kind of criticize and look down on others. Um, and so that's, it leaves one open for those criticisms, but I don't care. And I really do want to, uh, serve and support and help people that are just getting started in different areas and interests. So I wanted to explain that a little bit. But otherwise, you know, I hope that you found this podcast helpful. And as always, if you have any questions, you can feel free to direct those to me through the resourcesforlife.com website. It's probably the easiest place to reach out. I appreciate everybody who subscribes to these podcasts and provides feedback who shares and comments that's really appreciated and i look forward to sharing more with you again soon take care